This episode of the Model 3 Owners Club podcast is brought to you by Doolaban Insurance. If you live in Ontario, Canada, and are looking for the best price and coverage on your Tesla, give Doolaban a call at 1-855-385-4226 or visit our website at doolabaninsurance.com slash Tesla. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to the Model 3 Owners Club podcast, and I am joined with Ian Pavelko here. I happen to be in Montreal, and uh, we thought we'd do the podcast from his place tonight because, hey, it is what it is. We're also joined by our good friends Eric Camacho and Michael Bodner. How are you doing, guys? Thanks for coming on again. Hi, gentlemen. Well, we doing have... Well? Oh, thanks, Mike. Uh, yeah. yeah, so we got lots to talk about tonight. Let's jump into it because so much stuff has been going on. Um, are we going to do this in any particular order? Do you have yeah. the energy to do this in a <laughs> day? It's been day. such a long Ooh, day. Man. Well, you know what? Let's 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 start with this. Uh, okay. Ian, you finally took delivery of your performance model three. Yes. And I did. And it's just been a whirlwind day. Um I've I've said it many times before in the last couple podcasts that I would come down to Montreal and help you out and participate in the whole situation. Yes, you did. And uh, gladly come down. Yep. Because you know the weather's nice and sure, yep. why not? Yep. And uh, well, it's your it's look it's your day. So why don't you tell the story and let us know? Uh, let let all the viewers and the listeners out there, of course, because we have lots of people listening to the podcast, yep. so how things went today and um, from there. Holy smokes. Well, uh, yeah, the, you know, the best laid plans of mice and men and, and, and Model 3 fanboys uh, was kind of the, the theme for today. And I thought everything had lined up nicely. Um, I expected a few small things to kind of go haywire because we know it's the end of quarter push. I knew when they gave me the September 27th date, I said, wow, man, this is going to be rush hour. It's going to be crazy. So I expect, you know, a few delays, things like that. But generally, everything went sort of according to plan. I'm... I'm fortunate that my date never got pushed they even managed to get my car the upgrade added to it and still kept the september 27th date so i felt lucky like everything was going according to the to the plan so we got down to the store this morning we um we did a little extra filming we'll um we'll keep that as that'll a be, that, that'll be a fun video that'll be a fun i video. think you guys yeah, are gonna really like that yeah there's there's gonna be um a, a youtube video coming out on the whole thing so yeah. well that'll that'll be cool later on but anyway we we roll in and everything seems to be under control and uh, our delivery advisor greets me and says, yeah, no problem. A couple of minutes, we'll, we'll have you right in. We'll get the paperwork going and so on. And um, it, it was a bizarre moment. I mean, not to use a lot of weird analogies, but I honestly, at one point, I peeked around the corner. And the way the Montreal store is, it's like segmented. There's like compartments to that building. And you can sort of peek around the wall and you see the next level of the showroom. And I just saw the back end of this Midnight Silver Performance Model 3 with the red brake calipers peeking out. And I thought, that's it, that's it. I knew and I thought, was... I, can't, I can't go any further. I can't look. It's like seeing the bride in her dress before the <laughs> oh, ceremony. Yeah, yeah. You can't, you know, it's bad luck. So I just, I stood out there patiently and waited. Finally, the grand moment arrives. They lead me in. We sit down. We look at the car. Everything's, well, there's one little thing wrong with the bumper. It got a little scratch in transport. Not a big deal. But other than that, it was beautiful. Inside and out, everything is great. We fire up the paperwork. We're sitting there, blah, 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 blah. They pull out the contract, and here you go. Here's all the amounts, and I'm looking at the contract. This going, is where things go south. Oh, yeah, in a big way. Let me let me give you a little background on this. Um, when the deal went through about three weeks ago, when I got my financing all uh, organized through Tesla, 
uh, which is Scotiabank in Canada that does the, the Tesla financing. Um, the way they do it is kind of odd. And I'm going to warn anybody who hasn't done your financing yet, um, be aware that when they ask you, what is the percentage of down payment you want to do if you're financing through Tesla, they don't, or they, they do factor in the money you've already put down on the car. So your $1,000 that you put down in your reservation and then your 3200 to finalize the order, that is counted in that percentage. So if you say you want to pay 20,000, let's say 20% of the car's value, uh, or the loan total, what happens is they will calculate that and they will add that $4,200 into it so that basically it's the balance. Let's suppose you wanted to put down $20,000. Well, you'd really only need to put down 15008 of your money in the end because you've already given them 4200 I didn't know that. So when I calculated the amount that I wanted to put down, um, they wound up coming back to me with a much lower amount on my contract. And I'm like, well, wait a second. I got this extra money in the account here that's supposed to be paying off, you know, yeah. I, w I want a lower payment. I called them up, and within 20 minutes, I was talking to somebody at Tesla Finance uh, in California, and they were really good about it. No problem. They changed the um, they changed the down payment amount. They upped it. They lowered the payments. They gave me all the figures, and 20 minutes later, it was live in my account. Everything lined up. Great. Fantastic. Okay. That was almost two weeks ago, and I've looked, believe me, religiously every at day. that <laughs> account every day. Is the date there? Is 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 the VIN still there? I mean, is the is the time the same? Everything, everything, everything. The only time I never checked it was, you guessed it, this morning. I did not look because I, in good faith, thought everything was going to be like that. So we, we get down there, they pull out the contract, and lo and behold, it had reverted for some completely unexplainable reason back to the original amounts. So the bank draft that I had done two days before no longer corresponds. And they're like, well, there's really only two things we can do at this point. Either you can give us the larger amount and we'll write you back a credit. In a couple of weeks, you'll get a check back for the difference. Or we have to rewrite your financing. And that has to go back to California. There's, yeah. there's no, you can't do it in Montreal. We can't do it at, at, yeah, at Tesla office. Canada has yeah. no jurisdiction over paperwork. Everything has to flow out of California. Yes, exactly. Oof. So, and, you know, I don't really like making large financial decisions with, like, a 10-second window to decide. <laughs> That's pretty much what happened. And I, I wanted to stick to my guns. You know, this is a gigantic purchase. I wanted to keep the payments down. I wanted to pay as much up front as I could. So I said, no, I'd really like to go with what we had been promised. And I showed them the screenshot. Thank God. And this is something I recommend you all do. Once you've agreed to your financing and the estimated amounts and everything come up on your account, screenshot that. Snip it. Do whatever you Have need. it on your phone. Have it on your phone. So if it does strangely change, like in my case, you can show it to them and say, look, I'm not making this up. This is what was on the account yesterday. In my case, it was helpful. So they, they saw that right away. They knew there was a problem. And I have to say, everybody at the Montreal store was fantastic. Oh, they I were. mean, yeah. they're all working 13, 14 hours. They're going 500 miles an hour. And they were all so sympathetic. And they said, look, we're going to make it right. The only problem was they couldn't promise me a time because it's got to go back to Cali. So now hurry up and wait. So they, they sent back the, uh, the application, and they said it could take two hours, it could take ten. Like, we have no idea when we're going to be able to get you the car. I'm sitting there in front of the car. <laughs> Let that sink in. It's there. Yeah. I've waited two and a half years for this car. I have my hands and on it. And we tried everything. <laughs> oh, man. Like, can we take it? Can we, like... Yeah. What can we do? What can we do? Yeah. You've got my money. I mean, you've got my signature in blood. What do you want? Yeah, exactly. You know, <laughs> my pinky... Uh, We'll start with a thumbnail. Is there some part I can give you as a deposit? I mean, anything you want. I just want to leave with the car. Yeah. Anyway, we wound up going out for lunch. And lo and behold, about two hours later, ping, my account changes and reverts back to the correct amount. So clearly somebody at HQ had fixed the problem internally. 
Now, however, they still have to physically send that through the ether, if you will. That doesn't make any sense, does it? Anyway, it has to be actually sent. There has to be a command that sends the contract in some sort of a packaged form back to the store so that it can be reprinted and signed correctly. And that took about another three hours. So grand total, yeah, we spent about six hours down there waiting for it. Uh, in the last hour, <laughs> Trevor and I figured, okay, what's, what's the last move we can pull? Okay, the car is the centerpiece in the showroom right now. Let's just get in it, and we'll blast the music as yeah, loud as we can. Because we had gone go. at lunch, and we got yeah. you get picked up a USB, or was that yesterday? Yeah, I, I had my USB. I had my music already. Right. I mean, I was ready to go with this car. I had the whole thing all queued <laughs> up. So we just jammed the USB in there, and we have the tunes cranking like, up. We're like Garth, oh, yeah. Garth, and Garth, yeah. And <laughs> yeah, Wayne and Garth, man, like doing the Wayne and Garth a go go there. The whole scene. What are they gonna do? Kick us out? Yeah, it's like we don't believe. Okay, we're taking the car with us. What can I tell you? You know, it's, this is how it's gonna be now. Anyway, they all, everyone thought it was very amusing, so um, that tactic didn't We work. weren't in there very long after no. that when they finally got, the lady True. came out and said, hey, I got good news yes. for you, and it was like, after that, it was really quick. Yeah, it was super quick. Again, everybody's like hunkered down, on bang, 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 go through the paperwork. Uh, again, one last look around the car. <clears throat> um, they signed off on the fact that there's a little thing on the bumper they got to fix, but other than that, I was really thrilled with the car. The finish of it was nice. The paint everywhere is beautiful. Uh, the interior, absolutely spotless. Panels, very, very nicely aligned. Like, uh, everything else in the car was great. Yeah, I had a really good, I mean, when he's doing paperwork, I'm doing the tour. Yeah. So, yeah, no, I, the car was really good. Yeah. I will say this, um, you know, thank you for the story. That's really good. Um, when I was doing my part for deliveries uh, this Tuesday, because I went to the International Center, um, and I love to help people out, but the one thing that struck me from doing or watching the deliveries, because I'm not part of the paperwork. We're not, I mean, when you go down to volunteer, you can't be involved in that. That's not our thing. We're, you know, it's legal and stuff. Um, but talking to a bunch of people that were taking deliveries of Model 3s and um, also another fellow who was uh, picking up his Model S is that, at least for Canada anyways, there was a lot of problems with paperwork. It just seems to be a consistent theme. And because of the fact, as I said, especially for us here in Canada, that everything has to flow out of California or Las Vegas or wherever the heck they do the paperwork, that it just causes undue stress because now you're sitting around waiting because they have no control. They can't do anything. They can't just sit in there and redo the paperwork like a normal dealer would. Yeah. You know, like everything has to flow like military, top-down type yeah. of thing. So I think, look, uh, you know, Tesla's out of uh, production hell. Now they're in delivery hell. Yeah, and, and we're, we're certainly that. seeing yeah. it, right? Yeah. yeah. So... Just putting out the word out there because of this end of quarter push, if people are picking up their Model 3s, do your due diligence, make sure your paperwork is correct, take screenshots like you said and so on and so forth, but uh, allow yourself some extra time just on the off chance that, you know, your paperwork might be screwed up or whatever. So, um, but hey, all is good as all, you know, all, all's well as ends well. We got the yes. car. Yes, and, yes. And uh, yes, you wasted no time peeling out of the parking lot. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yeah. No, no, we no. We went to Supercharge, right? Yes. And when you left the mall, it was just like, where did Ian go? He was like, gone. That was an exercise, an incredible exercise in self-restraint. It was about a half an hour sitting in traffic to get to the, the Supercharger. And I will say the car had almost an 85% charge in it. The only reason I wanted to go add more was we were going back to the shop and we thought we'd get some performance runs in. So I wanted to get it close to 100 <clears throat> Anyway, yeah, we were just bumper to bumper traffic the whole way, so I'd get a little a little space here and there where I could punch it out. I was like, woo, okay. But you didn't uh, really nail it till we got down to the office and you took people yeah. for rides. Oh yeah, yeah, we had a lot of fun when we got this car back to the office. Uh, yeah, 
Oh, yeah. We'll have more fun tomorrow when we have much more. Much more. We'll, much we'll, more we'll film it all. Don't worry. There'll be many, many, many stories. But uh, <laughs> I actually had my neighbors come by just moments before we started the podcast who, who were just walking up the street. They didn't even know what was going on. They're, they're seeing two Destros in the driveway. And they're like, what the hell's going on here? Ooh, who's the rich guy? Yeah, exactly. That's exactly <laughs> the question. Is, is, that, is that Ian Bridget's house? Like, what's going on? Are they like, they got some kind of a business going in the basement there? Or? <laughs> Grow and, up. Uh, so so we, I took him for a rip down the street. Yeah. Oh, that was good. Oh, she oh, yeah. liked that. They did, yeah. Cool. I, I, we got about three full zero to 60 starts, and then Bridge said, no, my, if you don't want dinner to come up, you're going to stop. This. Oh, <laughs> this yeah, especially after we, dinner. Yeah, yeah, was, yeah, yeah it, was, it was a riot. Yeah, lots of fun. So, um, yeah, good times. Uh, look for some, we're, we're going to do some really fun content. We got some good, really good content today. Yeah. Uh, we'll probably do a two-parter, and some of the technical stuff we'll leave for another episode. Uh, that'll be a lot of fun. So we have some big plans. If things work out, the, the weather's looking good for tomorrow. Yep. We should be able to get some interesting things. So absolutely, uh, look forward to some videos that we'll that we'll have out shortly uh, with some with some fun with the performance model three. So, mm-hmm. yeah, um, right. Uh, since we're on the topic, maybe you can talk a little bit because we've been getting a lot of uh, tweets from folks. Hey, listen, guys, before we move on, do you guys have any questions? Did you want to interject anything? Oh, well, I did want to just add one thing to delivery for those who are in the end of quarter push here please going do, through things. Um, obviously, we're going to be picking up ours tomorrow, our second one. And, yeah, um, congrats. Thank you. Well, hopefully it goes well. <laughs> yes, let's yeah. You will be asked as a preferred method of payment to send a wire or an ACH to Tesla. You do not have to do that. You certainly can, um, but you do not have to. Check with your local teams. I know in our case, they absolutely said it was acceptable to show up with a personal check. So for me, that means a nice walk through the car, no pressure. If anything happens, if we have to delay, it's not an additional sum of money that we've spent before getting the car. So I just wanted to add that. Um, you know, I'm sure most of the time things work out. And even if there's little issues, you probably still take the car and bring it in for service or get mobile service later. But but just be mindful of that. <clears throat> Excuse me. ACH and wire are not a requirement. Oh, it's good to know. Oh, you know what? I'm going to throw one last thing on because in all the craziness that happened today, we also had another bug with my deal. I, I went over the checklist of what I had to bring with me. God, mm. it must have been 20 times in the last two weeks. And nowhere do I remember seeing... Uh, a request for a specimen check, which is pretty standard with an auto loan, you know, yeah. to get the, the direct deposit going. And it just never crossed my mind because it wasn't on the shopping list. And they, of course, that was the first thing was like, well, where's your specimen check? And I'm like, uh, you didn't ask me to bring one. And they're like, well, your delivery advisor should have told you that. Yeah, I haven't heard from a delivery advisor in like 10 days. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so that was the other glitch. So if even if it's not on your checklist or if your your delivery advisor doesn't mention that, if you are doing Tesla financing, remember to bring a Tesla. I was very fortunate. There's a bank, my, one of my banks right across the street. So I ripped over, got one five minutes later, it was done. Yeah. But uh, yeah, don't, you know, if your bank's 50 miles away, you do not want to be in that situation. Cool. Oh, I do. So, uh, I do want to add one thing. I'm really glad that while you were waiting there for as long as you were, you didn't hit up one of the vending machines that might have been on the property, because it would have been terrible if you put in your money for like a bag of chips and the chip starts to fall down and get stuck before actually hitting the reception tray. Because then you'd be like, "This is the worst day ever. My car is right we there. Had a few I can't of those take it home. Today. My chips are right there. I can't get them out. What is with today?" So. What, what did your fortune cookie say at lunch today? Do you remember? You are welcome wherever you go. I thought, well, that was our cue to go back. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, and it was. And it was. It was very prophetic when you think about it because we were welcomed back with open arms. And 
I got a car out of it. It worked. Yeah. Yeah, lots of fun. Uh, yeah. Well, we wish everybody the best, of course, in this last push for the uh, third quarter. So if be, you're picking be up your patient. Model 3, I mean, let yeah. me tell you, man. I don't care what kind of hell you go through to get your car. You will so be saying it was worth it when you get it. That's all I got to well, say. Well, you know, the number one thing that I took away from watching people, of course, when you're sitting there for six hours, you're yeah. doing a lot of people watching. And everybody smiles, you know. They, they just they want the car. You know, yeah. they're happy to be there. Um, yeah, it's good. We did get to see a pretty rare unicorn today. We had a silver Model 3 all-wheel drive with a white interior. Yeah. That's that's about as unicorn as you're going to get, right? I think that's right? the only one I'm going to see for a long time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's yeah. pretty cool. Yeah. All right. Well, we got to move on. Um, so the number one thing that we've seen on uh, social media lately, and I thought I would get you to talk about it since we're here, is people are asking about winter tires, winter tire packages, TPMS, all that thing. So I want to make sure that you explain to people, the listeners and the viewers, um, Tesla's situation as far as TPMS is concerned and what your recommendations are for wheels and tires since, you know, that's your thing. So take sure. it away. All right. Well, there's a few things to bear in mind with Model 3. And regardless of which version of the car you're buying, 18-inch uh, is the bare minimum. So there's no way to really to put a 17-inch in this car. Uh, unless you got very creative with the design. We looked at it, but uh, logically 18-inch is the minimum. And Tesla will tell you that if you get um, the performance upgrade pack on a performance car, that 19-inch is the minimum. That I can tell you is not true. I'm going to be putting some 18-inch wheels on my car tomorrow. And uh, one particular, there's several designs we have that fit. I know that uh, several of the other companies in the U.S., like T-Sportline and a few other guys, have got a good selection of 18-inch wheels to fit the car. So no problem. Even if you've got performance upgrade, you can go down to 18. I always recommend to people, use the smallest diameter possible in winter. So that's rule number one. You want to go with a tire that's got a relatively narrow uh, cross-section. So ideally, don't go any wider than, uh, than stock. And if you want to go a little narrower, that's not a problem. So keep it in the 225, 235 uh, section width range. And then definitely stick with the 18-inch size, whether your car came with 18s, 19s, or 20s. For winter, ideally, you want to keep um, the smallest diameter wheel with the tallest tire. Why is that? Well, uh, tires in winter typically are at the complete opposite end of the spectrum of how you want them to work from summer tire. Uh, a, a good performance summer tire as we know it has a relatively low profile stiff sidewalls it gives you that nice sharp responsive steering uh, great grip it makes it very predictable when you're pushing the car to the limit it's everything that makes a car fun to drive basically we attribute to a low profile relatively stiff uh, summer tire when we're talking about winter performance that goes out the window you want your winter tire to be sluggish. I know that sounds odd, but you don't want it to make any sudden moves. Imagine you're walking across a skating rink in your bare feet or in sneakers. Would you make any sudden moves? No. You don't want your tire tread patch to do the same thing. You want it to react slowly. And the way you do that is by increasing the sidewall height. So when you give the car steering input, what'll happen is the tire's gonna react a little bit more slowly. We're still talking about a 45 series tire. I mean, it's not like we're going to like some 70 series like you'd see on a pickup. So you, your, your car's yeah. not gonna turn into the Titanic. It's not that bad. But definitely stick with the taller sidewall. And if you wanna drop the speed rating of the tire, that's another advantage you can do. Um, typically, uh, all of the Model 3s are coming on um, W rated tires. Uh, or higher and that's a fairly high speed rating and in order to achieve that the tire has to be relatively rigid well again a, a rigid tire is not your friend so if you want to go down to a v or even an h speed rating in winter uh, some people want to go as low as a t like some tires like nokian or hakapalita series or a few others you can only get them in a t rating which is considerably lower 
But again, that makes the tire softer, makes it uh, much better in terms of increasing traction on ice and snow and making the tire predictable, staying in touch with the road and not breaking traction when you steer. So these are all things uh, that are good to remember when you're trying to make the decision as to which tire, what size, what speed rating, all these things. Now, I get asked all the time, well, what's the best winter tire? That's like asking people, what's the best ice cream? You're going to get 20 <laughs> different people. You're going to get 20 different answers. Certainly, if you go with any of the Tier 1, Tier 2 companies as we talk, you know, like Michelin, Yokohama, um, Nokian, uh, Goodyear, uh, Bridgestone, uh, Pirelli, uh, Continental. I mean, all of the top guys. Yeah, uh, Toyo. Uh, they all make a great product. Uh, we all have our preferences. I mean, work with a dealer that you find is knowledgeable and trustworthy and um, tell them what it is, how you drive, where you drive, get all your options out on the table there and um, let them guide you through the process. Of course, there's a lot of great online vendors as well where you can read reviews from customers who have the same car or same type of driving style and that'll give you a good idea as to what tire would, would suit your purpose. Um. The other thing, too, is uh, what do you have to say? Like you, 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 Some of the viewers or the listeners might even tweet back and say things like, well, what about steel wheels? Can I get steel wheels for the Model 3? Like, am I really married to alloys yeah. now for now? I get that question a lot. Um, I have my professional answer to that. I have my personal answer to that. Let's uh -huh. start with the professional one, which okay. is the correct thing to do. Yes, technically, you can fit a steel wheel to a Model 3. It's not a terribly difficult fit. Again, 18-inch steel wheels exist. Uh, you won't find one made expressly for the car, not at this point in time anyway, not that I'm aware of, but you could adapt one. Uh, Honda applications actually happen to have the exact same specifications. They are 5 on 114.3 or 5 on 4.5 inch. That's the stud pattern. Uh, stud pattern, exactly, the bolt pattern. Okay. And they have a 64 millimeter center bolt. That's the little hole in the center of the wheel. It centers on the hub. And yeah. it's very important on the Tesla that you keep those two pieces tight exactly. together because yeah. you don't want any vibration. You don't want the wheel to, you want the wheel to be perfectly centered. So you can do that. If you use the Honda wheels, though, you have to use uh, Honda lug nuts. It's a bit tricky because they have what's called a radius seat. I don't recommend messing around with that stuff. Like, really, go with a wheel that's designed for the car. I mean, if you're dealing with a pro who knows how to do the conversion... That's um, one thing. Right? Yeah, it's one thing, yeah. But even in my professional answer, I will tell you, uh, they're heavy. You're going to, you know, you're talking a 30-plus pound wheel. Um, it's going to start to take away from the car's range. Um, the suspension isn't going to work optimally compared to with the alloy wheel. Now, on the personal side, oh my god, really? A steel wheel on a Model 3? <laughs> no, don't do it, please. Sacrilege, burn, burn. Exactly, yes. If I saw that, I haven't seen it yet, but I know for a fact the first well, time I see this. Oh, you know some guy's going to do it. My eyes will burst into flames. <laughs> yes, I will run screaming from the area. I, I just, yes. So that's me being a total wheel diva. I apologize to all of you out there listening or watching who are going to do steel wheels. Hey, it's a free country. But, um, yeah, I mean, you know, this car, as far as the engineering of the chassis goes, is a work of art. I know people at Tesla will feel personally as if you stabbed them by putting steel wheel on it. That's the only message I can give you. The guys in chassis development will just, no. Yeah. No, you'll, okay. you'll ruin their lives. Well, there you go. Yeah. Um, TPMS, you want to talk about? TPMS, yes, yep. because people have been asking about TPMS. One of the common questions that I see on, uh, especially the Facebook groups, because, uh, do I have to get into the Facebook thing? Look, the forum, look, look, folks, if, if you're going to ask technical questions, you've got to get on the forum yes. because it's easily searchable. We've got a lot of experts on there. 
the Facebook thing, I mean, there's there's the Canadian Facebook group, there's the Model 3 Tesla thing that we run on Facebook. But the stuff on Facebook is so fleeting and you get a lot of new people that come in and they ask the same questions all the time because Facebook's literally impossible to search for stuff. So if you want technical information, you really got to go to the forum. That's my little spiel on that. Um, but the number one thing that I'm seeing now, of course, is other than what wheels and tires should I get, is what about the TPMS sensors? Am I, do I have to buy the Tesla ones? Because with other manufacturers, sometimes you got to buy the right TPMS sensors. Yep. But you told me something really interesting mm -hmm. last year when I bought my wheels from you. Yep. Tell the, tell the listeners and viewers the situation with TPMS with Tesla. That's really cool. TPMS is something that evolved very quickly. Um, We're talking about yeah. tire pressure management system. Yeah, tire tire pressure monitoring system. Monitoring exactly. System. Those those little right. sensors that live inside your wheels on the other end of the valve stem, and they're there. It's basically it's like a little weather station, a radio transmitter in your wheel. And what it's doing is it's recording the pressure inside the tire, and it's sending a radio signal to the car's computer, and it can display it uh, on the screen, as you'll see in in any Tesla. There's a screen you can call up. You can see the tire pressures. And um, what will happen is if you lose approximately 15 to 20% of the pressure, you'll get an alert on the screen. It'll show you which tire is the problem. Yeah. The yeah. Now, in the U.S., that is mandatory. You are um, legally obligated to keep that system performing to spec. So if it's malfunctioning, you're supposed to get it repaired, and you're not supposed to remove it. So if you decide, well, you know what, my winter wheels, I don't want to run TPMS sensors, you are afoul of a federal motor vehicle regulation. So I do not recommend that. Canada is a different story. We actually don't have a TPMS law up here. So even if the car comes with it, you're not obliged to replace them. However, you will get a constant warning telling you that the system is malfunctioning. So if you want to live with that, that's up to you. The other thing is it can sometimes mess with the ability to uh, engage some of the car's uh, features concerning stability control, traction control. You sometimes can't disable those features if the TPMS is malfunctioning. Um, the Tesla system, though, is beautiful. They're one of the rare cases where you basically install the new set of wheels with a new set of TPMS sensors, drive for 15 minutes, and the car learns it. The signal. Yeah, the signal just... You it don't just, have to buy nope. Tesla TPMS. Well, no, you don't. As long as you have any TPMS which is compatible. It has to be compatible. Well, there's a spec. With a t yeah, there's yeah. a spec. There's a, there's a particular part number. And these come into two categories. You can buy what we call jobber or aftermarket units, uh, which are compatible. And straight out of the box, um, they will work with the car. You don't have to do any special programming. Nothing. Uh, the Video Ready sensor is a good example of that. We sell a ton of those. It's basically plug and play. You install it, you drive the car, it learns them, it goes. That's what happened to me. I put the, I put yeah. the wheels on my car and I drove away and within, well, in my case, it was like literally 30 seconds. Yeah. It just, it just, just worked. Up. It was awesome. Ian, I've got a question for you on that. Yeah. Um, so, uh, you know, after rotating my tires, it was something I never thought about. So obviously... Is, are there four receivers? Is there one at each corner so it grabs Correct. the center right. closest to it? Yeah, okay, each, right. each wheel well has an antenna in the Teslas. There's a few Chrysler's, a few Hondas that have it, but that is achingly rare. Most cars, you have to manually program them. It's a whole, like, you yeah. know, dealer say, thing. Oh, yeah, you, you need the OBT2 scan tool or you need a, a, hand, a programming tool and you have to trigger each sensor and then you say a secret incantation and you look <laughs> at, the, you know, it's a whole deal <laughs> to do it. But thankfully, Tesla went with the self learning system. So, yeah, even if you do a tire rotation, good point, Michael, don't worry about it. Within a yeah. few minutes, the car is going to figure out, oh, okay, those, those have moved around, and I now know where they are. Now, the one, the one thing I want to warn everyone about is if you do go with the aftermarket, some of the units have to be pre-programmed to tell them what sort of a vehicle they're going on. So these are universal units. However, you have to, you need what's called a, um, a TPMS 
programming tool. It's a little handheld scan tool. And you have to first tell the unit, okay, you're going on a Tesla Model 3 2018. You don't have to tell it which one. It just has to know which type of car it's being addressed to. And once they've been programmed, now you put them on, you know, your Model 3 or yeah. your neighbor's Model 3 or whatever, and that car will learn its own sensors. But bear in mind, if you buy that, a popular one for us is the, um, is the Schrader. Um, which is, BDO is the ready sensor, the Schrader is the easy sensor it's called, yes. So if you get like a Schrader easy sensor, one like that, you have to pre-program it, at least tell it what it's going on, and then it'll work. So if you don't have the tool to do that, make sure that the shop that's selling to yeah. them, to you, does that and, and pre-programs them. Once they've been told they're going on your car, you never have to program them again. So don't worry about, you know, oh, do I have to do that every winter? No. Once those units are set for your car, your car, you can switch them back and forth, and it will continue to recognize them. Yeah, it was like in my case when I sold, <clears throat> excuse me, when I sold the 20-inch OEM rims that came with my Model X, they were going on another Model X. Yeah. And it would just, you know, you don't have to worry about it. Yeah, it they're, they're right. factory Tesla units. Well, they exactly. come out of the box ready to go. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and you're good to go. So the other thing, too, and uh, I, just, I just remembered now because... What we're seeing, of course, <clears throat> especially for us in Canada, because most of the Model 3s got delivered in the summertime. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, this is going to be fun in the winter, right? When the yeah. winter. So now we're seeing a flood of questions now. Oh my gosh, my range is starting to drop, and my tire pressure now is showing me alerts. So can you please address the viewers and the listeners out there what's going on with the winter situation with the tires? Sure. So they don't freak out. <laughs> okay, well, um, yeah, the tire, the pressure in your tires basically is a function of temperature. So Boyle's Law, as we all might have learned back in high school physics, states that if you heat a gas, it will expand. And if it's in an enclosed vessel, that means the pressure will increase. And if you cool it, the reverse happens. The pressure will actually it drop. It, yeah, exactly. It, 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 everything just kind of condenses up. Exactly. <clears throat> so yeah, as the temperature drops off, uh, you're going to see the pressure uh, inside. The, as the temperature drops, the pressure inside your tire will drop. And, you know, if, especially if they haven't been checked in a while and they're a little low to begin with, it might not take much. You know, in Celsius, if you go from like plus 20 outside to minus 20, you might see your tire pressure drop in the order of uh, 3, 4, or 5 PSI. Um, you know, that would be like going from 70 degrees ambient to, let's say, uh, just around zero. And, you know, that's a big enough shift in a lot of the parts of the country where, yeah, it, it'll, it'll trigger the, ABM, the TPMS. So yeah. in those cases, be sure to check up and just, you know, reinflate the tire to pressures and make sure they're set at a cold outside temperature. So if the car is in the garage and the garage is warm, well, that's not going to do you any good. No. You've got to make sure the car is out, you know, overnight in the cold. Now set your pressures and you should be good. And on the uh, flip side of that is if the temperature suddenly increases as is prone to happen with the crazy climate we have now so if you go from like these really freezing winter temperatures and it suddenly goes up uh they might be a little high so maybe you want to take them down take a little out exactly yeah. but i mean the beauty of these cars is there's no mystery you just call up just swipe left on your screen and you're you know at the bottom corner panel card. yeah your card will come up for the tv and you can see right there i mean i love it i'm you know what? The shoemaker in the shoes. I'm so lazy when it comes to tire pressures. I love to just, oh yeah, there we go. We're good. So Well, there you go. There's a large spiel on wheels and TPMS and stuff. So hopefully it'll answer a lot of the questions. So uh, please stop asking. <laughs> well, no. If you have more questions, by all means, drop in to Model 3 Owners Club. Um, we have in the tech section of the forum, we have a wheel and tire tech question. I check that all the time. So if you 
you know, anybody out there has any questions and we have a, a bunch of people on there who, who are pretty, you know, handy oh, yeah. with it. So, yeah. you know, if I don't get to you, somebody else will. There's, there's lots of great info and uh, we're happy to answer. You guys want to jump in? You got any questions before we move on to the next one? I know I don't mean to make this the, like the Ian show, but you know, Hey, <clears throat> yeah, Eric, when are you putting your winter months, tires right? on? Yeah. What was that, Michael? I said, Eric, when are you putting your winter tires on? Oh, Eric. Th thanks for uh, for asking, <laughs> Michael. I'm glad you guys are so concerned. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's actually nice to still be part of the show. So uh, I, di I did have one question for Ian. Um, earlier this week, Tesla did release a video uh, showing the rear-wheel drive Model 3 and how it handled in snowy conditions. Yep. And I was wondering if you had any comments on perhaps what they might have been using on the car. Uh, to show that it performs as well as a performance car in the same conditions. I didn't actually see what the tire was. If I'd have a closer look at it and freeze frame it, I could probably tell you from looking at the pattern. Um, I'll tell you one thing, though. I, um, I'm i amazed at this car's innate ability, just, just the rear-wheel drive model. We used a Falcon uh, HS449 on Yo-Yo Shea's car, you know, the fellow who did the Model 3 road trip last yeah. winter, just yeah. to make sure he could get through the Great White North Um in good shape and that's a tire which is a fantastic handling high speed tire um i i would rank it well in terms of uh winter traction but it wasn't quite like in an Nokian league or anything like that this car was bolted to the road on those tires i was shocked at how good they were uh and it all has to do with the fact that uh, you've got the the tesla drivetrain with uh, an electric motor that can be controlled literally in thousandths of a second. Millisecond, yeah. yeah, the reaction time is, is amazing. So you never feel the wheels slip. Between the electronic stability control and the traction control uh, on these cars, it's really not a big deal. A, a, any good quality winter tire is going to work for you, and you'd be amazed how much control you have, I, I, especially the fact that it's a rear-wheel drive car. A lot of us who've grown up you know, with gasoline-powered front-engine rear-wheel drive cars think it's like, oh, man, this thing's going to be death in the winter, you know? not the case like do not judge the car's ability on any previous experience you have with with gasoline powered rear wheel drive vehicles it, they're nothing like that at all i mean it's uh, it's a totally different deal so it, regardless as long as you've got a high quality winter tire on the car um you're you're going to be good to go um, the rear, whether it's the rear wheel drive or whether it's a dual motor the dual motor is going to be spectacular i can't oh. wait to try this thing out it's well this be is i've been telling a lot of people because people ask me of course you know you know what's what's your opinion do i need all-wheel drive in the winter time and sorry, I'm going to just move this a little bit so you can hear me better. Um, and I was like, no, have you ever heard of snow tires? Like, yeah. <laughs> you need snow tires. Uh, you know, if you live in a, in a condition where you get a lot of icy conditions and snow, I mean, rubber changes with temperature, right? What yeah. is it below seven degrees Celsius? Yeah. It starts getting hard. It becomes like a hockey puck in the winter. You need a soft compound. But yeah, I mean, if you have snow tires with all-wheel drive, ooh, that's an ideal combination. But the thing is, is that you have to understand, 90 plus, 95% of sedans sold in North America are rear-wheel drive or front-wheel drive. Most of them front-wheel drive, because uh -huh. most yeah, of the are. Germans are rear-wheel drive. Um, so it's like, yeah, you're pretty lucky to get an all-wheel drive in an electric car, for crying out loud, because, you know. Um, so, and they get along just fine in the wintertime, right? Yeah. But you, but... They're they're nowhere near as good as the Tesla because you've got better weight distribution, you've got a very low center of gravity, yeah. and you know traction control that actually works. Yeah, that's, that's not mechanical. That's electronic. That's, 
That's the big difference. I'm going to throw one more thing in uh, just for our safety concern is don't think that if you've ordered the, the um, dual motor all-wheel drive, this means you don't have to get winter tires, that you can go with the all-seasons. If you live in, in southern climates, uh, like our, our two gentlemen here, uh, that's not a problem. I mean, you guys will get the odd day where you're sort of hovering around the freezing mark, but that's pretty rare, right? Um, but anybody... Freezing? I'm sorry, what's, what's freezing? What's freezing? You mean 60 I've... Fahrenheit, right? <laughs> Dude, don't mess with me. I've been down there. I've seen frozen puddles. I know it happens. Don't, don't. Yes, yes. I know. The when truth. I have to bust out the windbreaker to go yeah. take a walk, I know it's something exactly. wrong in paradise. Yeah. That's right. But no, I mean, you know, anywhere that's remotely northern. And I mean, the fact of the matter is, I mean, we're seeing like sig significant snowstorms now in Texas, right? I mean, you never know what the hell you're going to get. It's 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 climate roulette these days. Yeah. So anywhere where there's a risk of snow on a even semi-regular basis... I strongly recommend getting uh, a winter tire, even if you have the dual motor, because it doesn't matter how good you are at accelerating. Yeah, the dual motor is great at, at getting you up to speed. Um, you got to stop. I don't care whether you're rear-wheel drive, you're a front-wheel drive, you're all-wheel drive. The only thing that will stop you and steer you in those conditions really is, uh, is a winter tire. I'll put one little asterisk point on that. There are now all-season tires that carry this, the mountain snowflake symbol. That's a relatively new product mm. in the last few years. Um, some companies have this now. So if you ask your tire dealer, well, is there an all-season that I can get that's got the winter rating? It's called the severe snow service rating. It's that little mountain snowflake symbol that you see on winter tires. Some all-seasons carry that. So for people who are sort of in these in-between climates uh, or just have to go, you know, ski trips or something into mm. these, and you don't want the full-blown winter tire, that's not a bad option either. Those do work. Okay. So you've noticed now this entire show has been about uh, Ian's grad school dissertation. So we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna move the show along. I'm actually gonna take over hosting duties and say we're gonna move the show along to the next topic. Uh, so we have this awesome video that just came out recently uh, in Paris, where the autopilot we're able to get a sneak peek at what the camera actually sees. It's a 20 minute video. It's on YouTube. There'll be a link to the video in this uh, podcast description if you get a chance to look at it. But I will let Trevor describe what the video entails. Trevor? Right. Thanks, Eric. Uh, <laughs> well, what we're looking at here, so the, the news came out recently this week that uh, I think it was a couple of gentlemen, and there was a Reddit thread, uh, Reddit thread going on where these guys had uh, bought a, uh, a used um, Autopilot 2 computer. I think it was out of a crashed Model X. And lo and behold, apparently it was an unlocked developer version. So they were able to plug it into cameras uh, on their Model S or X and drive it around Paris and capture a bunch of the, um, the uh, developer mode data out of this thing and log it in, in the form of a video. And it's really clever. We're actually playing it right now. And I'll, I'll put a link in the, in the video in the podcast description if you want to watch it on YouTube yourself. Um, now, keep in mind here, this is not uh, ready for full self-driving. But what it does show is it shows the, the incredible power of the... Uh, the uh, the NVIDIA Drive PX2 computer that's in present in all AP2 and AP2.5 cars. That, that includes the uh, SX and the 3. And what you're looking at here is the computer is visually mapping the environment. This is this is all visual. It's all done by the cameras, the eight cameras um, in the autopilot system in, in combination with the forward-facing radar. And it's able to see 
the lines on the road. It also paints in green on the ground the drivable areas, or what it thinks is the drivable areas. And it's also tagging all of the objects in real time. So it's looking at obstructions, cars, trucks, motorcycles, pedestrians. Um, interestingly enough, at this point, it doesn't look like it's tagging uh, street lights or street signs. That apparently, from a talk that was done by I think it was either Andre Kaparthi some time ago, who's the head of autopilot technology at Tesla. And he said that was particularly difficult to do because road signs, as you know, and street signs, um, street lights and stuff differ quite a bit between countries. Yeah. And um, he even had a picture, I think it was one of his presentations, where they've got this um, stoplight in some country and it, and it looked like a Christmas tree. So those types of things are particularly hard. So you're, you're not going to see that kind of detection in this video at this point, but I do believe that it, it is coming in a future update because, let's face it, it's required for full self-driving. But... This is this is this is mind-boggling. So, and I think um, the other thing too that it's showing is um, there's a yellow line in the middle of the street, and I think that is in preparation for part of the software update that's coming um, in version nine of the software. If you have enhanced autopilot on your car, and that's called drive-on navigation. We'll talk about that a little bit later in the show. Um, but yeah, it, it's quite astounding to see this. Anyways, I'm going to pause the video here. We don't need to watch this for 20 minutes, but. Uh, yeah, there. I think we're seeing some some definite advancements um, as far as Tesla's concerned with their AI system. Um, really looking forward to this. So I think the first some of the biggest updates. Like I've seen two updates on my car this year alone. One was in March, and I think that was around June that significantly increased the uh, capabilities of autopilot. So yeah, this is very encouraging. Uh, did you guys have a chance to take a look at this video? Yeah, and Trev, I would add. Right along with you, um, when I first got the car, merging was out of the question. Yeah, Merging was not an autopilot feature. And I know none of the updates we've had uh, in the last seven months have mentioned anything about merging. But from my experience in driving the car in rush hour every day on the highway and getting to a merge point at the end of my uh, pay to speed lane or whatever you call it, mm -hmm. um, merging absolutely works on, on the version I'm on now, the latest... Uh, version out there in the Model 3, and it is impressive. You can watch on the screen. Obviously, we don't get the view like we're seeing in this YouTube video, but you can see the, the follow car lights up, and you can watch the transition happen as the car starts to slide in front of you. It's, it's, it's incredible, actually. Uh, just amazing. Watching my car just keep getting better. <laughs> yeah, I love watching this stuff. It's, it really... Um... It really just shows the power of a visual system. And I just want to reiterate, you know, because there, there's a lot of people out there that have been asking about, you know, uh, you know, how is it that Waymo and Uber and all the other guys are doing, you know, the LiDAR type thing. And Elon has been pretty adamant about the fact that they want to do a vision-based system. Let's face it, we humans navigate the world with just two eyes. So if they can get a car to do the same thing with eight cameras, hey, you know, they'll be, uh, they'll be in like Flynn. So they're, they're taking the hard route down this path so that they can do the whole world rather than just like mapped areas like San Francisco or New York City type of thing. So um, I think in the end, this may prove to, I mean, it's a harder path. It's a harder thing to do, but I think um, Elon may be right at the end of the day. We'll see how things pan out, but if they can make this work, um, it'll be a much more flexible system. It'll be a much more powerful system now because it'll be you know, much more aware of, of what's going on. So, but, but this, this is stuff, this is baby steps. They have to do things in a measured way. They can't just drop it on us because, well, let's face it, legislation's not ready. Fine Lab has a line of protective coatings that were engineered to protect your Tesla's paint, leather, 
carpet, plastic, and wheels, effectively blocking all those UV rays and environmental factors before they ever get to ruin your brand new baby. FineLab offers a complete line of car care products and ceramic coatings for both the do-it-yourselfer and professional detailers. Did we mention we also have the world's first self-healing coating? Check us out at finelab.com, that's spelled F-E-Y-N-L-A-B, to see the science behind the self-healing. Check out our product catalog and click contact us for a free quote from a certified installer in your area. FineLab and Tesla, we were meant for each other. Firmware 9, we want to talk about Firmware 9. Um, so, you know, it's been making the news, of course. Elon did say that uh, we were probably going to see the start of Autopilot 9 for... Um, not Autopilot 9, sorry, Firmware 9, which is the operating system runs on all of the Teslas, being uh, hopefully rolled out towards the end of this week. It is currently in the hands of the early access program uh, people. There's a there's a closed beta group of people that have early access to this. And we got our first glimpses of this uh, from someone in the uh, access program. His name is Mark Benton. I'll put a link in the uh, video in the uh, uh, podcast description from his uh, Twitter account, and he's been posting some screenshots, and I'll bring a few of them up here so you guys can see what it looks like. Now, was so, it was it Mark that had it, or one of his friends? Yeah. Uh, well, it was on was Mark's Twitter say, account. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. we don't know if, for sure. If Mark, if Mark has it now, that's a good sign for the rest of us because he's got that really low VIN, VIN eighty nine, I think. Okay. Uh, when he gets it, everyone else is like days away after that. Okay. Nice. His first video was definitely from a friend of his in early access. But this new stuff, I don't know if this is his. If this is his, okay. this is good for the rest of us. Well, I just thought I'd bring up some of the screenshots. So, um, at the, you know what? Some of the changes are, are on the Model 3. Like, they're going to bring the um, energy graph. Where's the energy graph? Here we go. Here we go. I'll bring this one up. So, finally, the Model 3 is going to get the energy graph, which is present on the S and the X, which has been solely missing. And um, and I don't have a screenshot of it here, but there is finally a web browser coming to the Model 3, which actually surprised Ooh. me. Yeah. yeah, that actually could surprise me because I thought um, I thought it was actually tied to the fact that um, they hadn't um, ported it to the new MCU yet. But I've talked to a friend of mine who has the new MCU in his Model X, and I've seen it in the new Model S's, and um, they have the web browser. So obviously it's not a technical issue. I thought it might have been a premium issue that they purposely left out of the Model 3, but hey, I stand corrected. So Model 3 is going to get a web browser. Um, most of the changes... <sighs> visually because there's a lot of visual changes in this um calendar are really really targeted yeah they're really targeted for model s and model x um i think in many ways this version of the operating system is going to be called the uh the unification operating system right so they're taking a lot of the visual cues and some of the um uh, user interface elements, settings, of course, which is beautiful in the Model 3. And they're finally fixing this in the S and the X. By the way, the screenshot you're looking at now, if you happen to be watching this on YouTube, is uh, the new buttons down at the bottom. So what they've done, essentially, with uh, Firmware 9 is that they've largely removed all the app icons along the top of the screen. Because on the Model 3, you don't have the app, along, um, app icons along the top. They're, they're mostly down at the bottom. But on the S and the X, because you got a vertical screen, they had more screen real estate. So they were put the app icons along the top. That's gone now. So what they've done is that they, there's a dedicated button down at the bottom where it brings up this little overlay tray. So you can things like see like calendar and energy, web browser, your camera, so on and so forth, and a very archaic phone icon. Which a candlestick? Like I don't think anybody in the age of fifty knows what a candlestick phone is. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah. So they've done some uh, changes visually that ways. Uh, the settings app, as I said, um, looks just like the Model Three, which is great because um, I'm still hunting and pecking on my 
on my car trying to find settings. Um, some huge changes, huge changes to the autopilot system. Now, I think in previous versions of the podcast, I had talked about the possibility, I think, what they were going to do, because one of the biggest bugaboos for people was um, blind spot monitoring, or the lack of. Mm-hmm. And I always thought the easiest solution to this is put the display of the car further up on the screen, like move it up, you know, 30 40%, and then allow us to see the cars coming in from behind. Well, lo and behold, we have a screenshot like this that shows precisely what's going on. In this case, uh, we'll also see some changes, of course, in the AP2 computers. They can now differentiate between cars, motorcycles, and trucks. So now we have a motorcycle here in this particular screen. Um, he also put a video out, and you can see this video here where the um, you can see the cars oh, cool. kind of moving past. Uh, one of the visual changes that have, that have changed, of course, in the autopilot system is that all other cars other than yours now look like key fobs. <laughs> which I thought was rather interesting. So they're kind of like uh, these anthropomorphic um, weird blobs. So, uh, but motorcycles and cars are now uh, part of the part of the deal. So just going back here, here's the uh, motorcycle shot. I think I have one of the truck. Oh yeah, here we go. So here's another one of uh, trucks. Uh, what was the other change too? Right, a part of the blind spot monitoring. If they discovered something was a little too close, here I'll bring up the video again. You'll see a little red line on the right hand side. I think it's right about here. Yeah, there you go. So I think that's just some intrusion that's happening there. It's when you, if you put on your turn signal and there's a car in your blind spot, the lane line on that side. Oh, for the lane change. Right. Thanks, Michael. Yes, that makes total sense. Uh, Let me see here. I would like to see them add an audible alert or a steering wheel vibration on that. So hopefully that's a little bit down Well, we do have the lane departure rumbling, which I turn off on my car, but there's no reason why they couldn't, uh, certainly couldn't add that. Um, Right. So a lot of changes there. This one is really interesting. We now have a completely new user interface for the HVAC system in the Model 3. And this is what it looks like now. So they actually kind of show what the vents are actually doing. So rather than the blue dots mm-hmm. kind of moving around showing you the actual position of the uh, airwave system, as they call it, this is it, it actually shows you visually. This is a really cool look. I, I got to so, say, well, uh, sorry, go ahead, Michael. I was just going to say, I love this design, but I have only one issue with it. So hopefully we'll get some feedback and it'll get better. If you look in that video, it's way over to the right to get to recirculate. Oh, did um, they move? The, oh, yeah, I see it there. They yeah, moved the icon. Recirculate turns off on its own a lot, and I like to keep that on. So that's a bit of a reach. But otherwise, this is just, this I is mean, really that's, nice. that, that's stunning looking. Yeah, I mean, we just showed some people at your office today. Yeah. Like I took that lady and I sat her down and I showed her the vent system. She was blown away. Had we had this on the screen, I think it would have made an even bigger impression. Really? She was blown away? Oh. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) So I I do want to add this because there's a lot of stuff to cover with version 9. First of all, it's a major improvement over the UI of the S and X we have now. Absolutely. Even with the brand new MCU. And there are some people who've seen the, at least people who've seen my car, have seen the display and are like, oh, it'd be kind of nice if I had that for my vehicle as well. Well, lo and behold, it's coming to your cars too, you S and X owners. So that's the first uh, thing. The second thing is, to Michael's point, there's going to be improvements. I'm sure it will come out some dot, dot, dot version coming that's going to have these little improvements. But the big thing also recently got announced was that when your app notifies you, you have a software update available, you'll now be able to, with version 9, 
deploy the application right from your phone, which is a huge deal, especially Absolutely. if you live in climates where it's snowing, it's it's raining, whatever it is. You don't have to go out to your car. You can just one swipe. And if your car is actually being driven, once the drivers will be notified, hey, there's an installation coming. Uh, but it, that that's a huge deal for a lot of people. Yeah. Um, there are a few other things, because I think uh, Fred at Electric had posted a lot of the release notes that were coming as part of this release update. And there were a few other options that I noticed and that were kind of interesting. Um, if you're in a Maps app on your phone and you have a share sheet, uh, apparently the Tesla app will be able to tie into that so you can actually send an address to your phone remotely to your Tesla app. Mm-hmm. So when you get in your car, uh, the nav will already kind of, I don't know if it will already have it punched in, but it may be selectable. So that's a really nice bonus. I'd like to see that. Um, Autopilot is getting a huge update as well. Uh, it's called Drive on Nav. Now, for those of you who don't know what Drive on Nav is, is basically the ability to do automatic lane changes, interchanges, um, off-ramps, on-ramps, that type of technology. want to make it note, though, apparently the release notes say that it's only available in the U.S. for the time being. It's still not available in Canada. And that could be hmm, maybe a level three kind of thing. Yeah. And maybe legislation's not in place for that yet. Yeah. So we'll, we'll get it eventually. It's just... Just be aware of that if you're looking for this technology and you've paid for automatic or enhanced autopilot. Don't don't be surprised if you don't see it in your car. Um, really cool thing about that, um, I, I don't. And for those who haven't read the release notes, the car will make a recommendation to switch lanes to get you up to your speed, and you could either have it happen automatically or warn you. I want to see what that looks like. Um, with my car just switching lanes on its own, that's crazy. Mad Max crazy. mode, baby. Yeah, Mad, Mad Max. Max mode. Yes. And, and apparently Mad Max mode is making it. Now, for those of you who don't know, um, Elon had tweeted on his uh, Twitter account some time ago uh, a new setting that they were testing in autopilot, which basically allows you to set the aggressiveness of the lane change. And what they call Mad Max mode is really the Los Angeles mode because everybody's the, very aggressive. Or, or the Quebec mode. <laughs> or the Quebec mode, yeah, exactly. So um, hopefully the name will stick, mm-hmm. uh, much like Ludicrous and, yeah, uh, yeah. you know, ridic- or not ridic- was he ins- insane? Yeah. So, uh, yeah, looking forward to that. So, yeah, the, the Firmware 9 or Operating System 9 is a huge – this is the biggest update we've ever seen on yeah. in the thing. Now – one other thing we have to throw in, because a lot of people have been asking about it, we're finally getting, now it may not make it to the first release, but a dash cam function. Now, Elon had tweeted about this about a year ago, that they were working on a dash cam. Now, the release notes say that storage of the clips that it's taking require a dedicated USB key, uh, storage key. Um, so those of you on a Model 3 or an S or an X, you're going to be losing a, uh, one of the Ford USB ports in order to store this. Now, there may be splitters out there, so you can still get power to, a, say, a charger or a phone or something like that. But um, there was a lot of confusion about this because Tesla hadn't told us as to how they were going to do this. Like, are the clips going to live in the car? Are they going to have to go on a USB key? Are they going to go to the cloud? Well, we finally now apparently have our answer. Um, the dash cam is not a dual cam system. It's a single cam Ford system. So uh, when it comes out, it'll be in a beta version. Um, it'll be improved over time. Uh, uh, there were some other things, too. Uh, th- there's a little prep work you have to do in the USB key. You have to create a folder name specifically a certain way so that the clips get put in there. They're overwritten after a certain amount of time, but there will be a setting in there um, so that if you're in a crash or you're in a situation, whatever, you can lock down those clips so they don't get overwritten. So uh, good move in the right direction, but for those of you who are really wanting a good quality like dash cam now, maybe a dual channel or something like that, you really still have to look for, you know, third party. 
um, it, you know, if you want cloud access, that type of thing, because, you know, it's not present in this first version. This is very, very basic. The thing you have to remember, though, too, is that um, this is the only OEM implementation of a dash cam that exists. Yeah, so true. there's no other car manufacturer that has anything like this. And it's, it's all it's implemented also... via software. Oh, as soon as, it's also only while you're driving. It's not while the car's off. So yes, if you it, want recording when your car's parked, you'll need a third-party as well. Good, excellent point. For those of you who are looking for vandalism protection or whatever, you're going to have to look at third-party, at least for short-term, should Tesla develop this. But, again, these features will be added as, as they go, I would hope, anyway. So, um, you know, there'll be feedback. You know, give them And we haven't... We haven't mentioned that the navigation directions have moved from the right to the left. They're closer yes. for people who can't see well, very well. Well, we, we noticed that. Remember on a podcast some time ago when Tesla had updated the graphics on the Model 3 website, we were mentioning, oh, yeah, they switched over to the left. And I guess it had, it, it had come out earlier in the day. And by the time we had mentioned it, they had swapped the graphics. They went back. Really? Yeah, they did. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, that was me. That. I leaked it on Twitter and the graphics changed. Yeah, exactly. That was, nice. my, that was okay. your fault, buddy. But... Yeah, I think for some people, that makes sense visually. Um, but again, I've noticed that some of the controls that you need access to and now move over to the right. So the thing with a horizontal screen, and I'll go back and say this, is that um, there's no such thing as a perfect lunch, right? Because of the screen real estate being taken up by one-third of autopilot, you have two-thirds of the screen to play with. So you have to be judicious about your user interface design and how you're going to lay things out. But all in all, uh, really looking forward to this update. Uh, it's just going to be monster monster unfortunately we haven't seen any of the graphics that are in day mode everything that we've seen so far is dark mode so we don't know what it looks like in in day mode dark mode's yeah. cool but whatever anyway oh uh, let's see here moving on uh, i want to talk real quick about the uh, nitsa crash test for the model 3 the official ratings have come out so model 3 uh gets as elon had predicted um you know two and a half years ago at the model 3 release or the reveal that uh, it qualifies. It gets five-star uh, crash rating in every category, not overall, yep. every single category. And Elon had recent tw uh, recently tweeted out that he said that uh, he thinks Model 3 has a chance of being the safest car ever tested by NHTSA. So those of you in Model 3, well, you're driving around in the safest car there is on the market, which um, I'm sure at Tesla when they design a new car, it's like number one on the whiteboard. Yeah. Safety, oh, yeah. right? So glad to see that. Um, any comments, you guys? You're looking forward to uh, seeing any more? Oh, oh, yeah. They did say that they were going to put out um, um, some more results recently, and Elon said that they were going to put out more of a technical thing on on their crash safety testing regime or something like that, or physics or something. So if those of you are really into that, um, I don't know when it will be posted, but it will be an interesting read for some of you. Uh I don't know if you guys, if the three of you know anything about this. I tweeted to Tesla. They didn't answer. I gave it a shot. Uh -huh. In the videos, when you watch, the side mirrors have fake mirrors. And I just wonder, is that because it's bad luck to break a mirror? Or is there something <laughs> else there? Everything else, everything else about the car is real, and the side mirrors look like they're cardboard. So I was just curious if you guys know anything about that. Don't know. Uh... You know they have a fetish. They don't like mirrors. Yeah, I wonder. Um... I wonder if there's any, is there other crash tests that have mirrors on there? Or do they put fake things on there? I've never noticed that. I've you know, never seen it. Now, of course, I'm going to have to After the go podcast, back. we're going to yeah. have to go and look at yeah, some go dig it. I3 destroy, destruction yeah, or whatever. That's it. Yeah. I mean, uh, I can go into my, log into my SAE account and maybe find the protocol for the test and see if there's some reason why they're yeah, allowed to point. delete the meters. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Or, or I'm blind and I am way off, but it looked like they were fake mirrors. All right. All right. What, I'm, what I'm interested to find out is did the Model 3 test results 
exceed those of the Model S. Because the Model S, the only vehicle... Uh, actually, I'm sorry. The Model X is only bested by the Model S. So did the Model 3 test results beat both of them? That's interesting to find out as the uh, the numbers start rolling out. Yeah, yeah. The official numbers are, yeah. will will be coming out. Hopefully not mm -hmm. too much longer. We'll be able to scour over that data yeah, pretty soon. For sure. Yeah. Well, uh, we have two more things to talk about tonight. I want to get into some of the changes in the supercharging program, especially the uh, pricing structure. So, uh, Eric, you had a chance to look at this one. You fill us in on what's going on with that. Absolutely. So uh, a little over a week ago when we were off our, our uh, weekly hiatus, the guys needed a little break from me for once, uh, the uh, supercharger information on Tesla's website was updated. So for those of you that use superchargers, you're aware of what's called an idle fee. Essentially, when your car is done charging at a supercharger, uh, your car is essentially um, charge the fee for sitting there and taking up the station. Now, these idle fees occur in two conditions now. So if the station you go to has, say, eight stalls and there's four vehicles there, that station's 50% full. So the first level of idle fees would then take place. So in the United States, your idle fee in that circumstance where the station is between 50 to 100% full would be 50 cents per minute once your car has reached its charging limit uh, assigned uh, at that station. If you are in Canada, it is 65 cents per minute in that same scenario. Now, let's assume the same station has reached 100% capacity. So you are among there with all the other cars. There's eight of you guys in total at that station. Now the fees go double. So in the U.S., you charge a dollar per minute, and in Canada, it's a dollar thirty per minute. Now, here's the intriguing thing: is there a limit? The answer is no. If your car is there for an hour, you're going to pay sixty dollars in the U.S. for letting your car there for the entire hour. So it is not very cheap. Now, here's something also of interest: uh, Tesla did announce that you do have at least a five-minute grace period. So let's say you plan a route. And you're going to a supercharger and your car says you need to charge for 40 minutes. So you go grab a bite to eat, maybe you go to a bookstore, whatever it is. And your phone lets you know charging is nearly complete. And then it tells you charging is complete. You'll have five minutes to get to your car and leave the station. But bear in mind, you are being charged the idle fees for those five minutes. If you leave the station within those five minutes, the fees are waived. If you're there beyond the five minutes, then guess what? You've now just been charged. Now, the important thing to know here is that, uh, right now, here's the other thing. To know. Mm -hmm. Right here's where it gets better. Let's say, for example, you have no credit card on your account, uh, which you can actually now do from your vehicle with the, with the upcoming version nine update. Uh, you can input your credit card payment into the computer itself from your car, and that'll then tie it to your account on your Tesla account itself online. But let's say you didn't have a card there, or your card expired, or for whatever reason there was a payment issue. If you have $50 in fees that are unpaid and you go to a supercharging station trying to charge your car, guess what? You're cut off. You're disabled. You can't actually charge your car. Now, as soon as you pay the fee, you actually can charge the car right away. Now, also, if you happen to be in an instance like the, we're in the Carolinas where a storm is coming and they're going to unlock the station so you can charge your car and evacuate... That's a very unique scenario. But ideally, you want to charge your car, so make sure that your fees are, in fact, paid. Now, again, these fees are now in effect as of September 19th. So we're talking eight days ago from when this podcast is being recorded. So just make sure that you log into your Tesla account. Make sure your payment information is set. Uh, you can do that by logging into your account, 
go to your uh, account link on the top of your page. And then at the very bottom, you'll see payment information. Just make sure it's up to date so you don't run into an issue where all of a sudden you have unpaid fees and don't know why it's happening. Well, I'll make sure that I don't <laughs> Please. incur any fees. Lesson, kids, don't idle. And this is the big deal for those of you that are either did not take a delivery of a vehicle with the supercharging credit. Um, that was a benefit now that expires coming up on the 30th of this month. Or if you just happen to have a Model 3 that never qualified for free supercharging. So if you own a Model 3 or at least you're expecting delivery of a Model 3 and planning using superchargers, just know that unless you have a performance car delivered by September 30th of 2018, you will pay for supercharging. So just be mindful of that when you are uh, out and about planning your trips. Again, these fees do not apply to destination charging. That's always going to be free for you. But again, it's only for supercharging. Excellent. Well put, Eric. You yes. did uh, a commendable job on that. And for that, I give you a wonderful clap. Oh, thank you so very much. Good night, everybody. I'll see you guys later. <laughs> <laughs> well, you can't explain that any, any better, I don't oh, think, anyways. Oh. So... Thank you very much for that. Um, last little bit is, this is some breaking news, of course, that um, just happened today. Um, and there's nothing like putting a wet blanket on everybody's excitement today. But it looks like the SEC is uh, going to try and make an example of Mr. Elon Musk from the uh, yeah. tweet that he put out about funding secured, thinking about taking the company uh, private. So, you know, look, we're not financial people we're not really political type people but we thought we'd just address the situation because of course you know it's been all over twitter today it's been all over the internet so i think we have to talk about what this really means at the end of the day um i haven't had a chance to read the whole sec complaint or filing or this lawsuit but they specifically have named elon musk in the suit so um i think at the very least he's gonna have to pay a fine yeah, um, again, again, this has been filed. It hasn't gone to trial. It hasn't been, I mean, mitigated, uh, litigated, or anything like this. At point, it's just been filed. So I think what we may see here is that I'll have to pay a fine. And they're also, in some ways, from my understanding, just reading it very cursorily, is that they're they're looking at trying to. I think it was trying to remove him from the board of directors or CEO or something. What was it? And did from I, from ever being able to serve again as a director for a public company. Oh, jeez, that's. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, they're going all Martha Stewart yeah. on him. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm with you, Trev. I think this is one of those things where you try to make an example, so they're going to shoot for the stars, and odds are it ends up as an undisclosed fine that we probably never find out find out about yeah. how much he paid. But, um, but it, it, that might not be what happens. So obviously, we'll have to wait and see. Um, Ian, I have a question for you on this. Uh, your down payment was in Tesla stock. Did you tell the SEC it was okay to go forward uh, after taking delivery of your car? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Although, the funny story with that, okay, for all you people who are um, idiot noob traders such as myself, here's another little uh, thing you might want to know. Uh, if you're planning on using uh, your, your funds that you've invested in stocks, um, don't cut it so close to the wire as I did. Uh, it takes up to two days to close out the sale of your stock so that it's actually accessible from your account. And in, in my case, because it was a U.S. stock, 
uh, I had to convert it to Canadian and to get that. that takes a little time. Yeah, exactly. I, I went through a little hoop to do. They rushed that through in 24 hours. But yeah, I, I made that through by the skin of my teeth. So mm-hmm. if you've got money tied up in investments, make sure you get that all worked out a, a week before you actually need it, just to give yourself a grace period there. Yeah. I, and, and all the pro investors out there are laughing at me right now. That's okay. I accept. <laughs> I accept. I, am a, I accept full responsibility for my, for the stupidity my, new, of my actions. My new actions. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yes, thank you. Yeah, so I, I don't know where this is really going to go. Um, like I said, the, you know, Michael's right. I think they're shooting for the stars, and hopefully maybe they get 50% of what they're asking for. Who knows at this thing? But it certainly looks like they're trying to make an example of them, you know, much like Martha Stewart, whatever. Uh, Elon's too important to Tesla, you know, to lose him over anything. So, you know, in his case, I mean, he did put out, and I'll read you his statement um, that he gave to, um, I think it was TechCrunch. I, I got this off of TechCrunch. Uh, Elon, his quote is, this unjustified action by the SEC, the Securities Exchange Commission, leaves me deeply saddened and disappointed. I have always taken action in the best interests of truth, transparency, and investors. Integrity is the most important value in my life, and the facts will show I never compromise this in any way. Um, I think if anybody watches Elon Musk and knows, you know, how he really operates, I mean, yeah, the Fudsters are always out there and they're saying he's lying, he's lying, he's lying, he's lying. I mean, that's a common refrain you see all the time. But from interviews that I've always seen him and stuff and actions as far as Tesla is concerned and the company, um, customers always first, right? Yeah, very much so. Um, they put them first, you know, um, and if there's any shadow of the doubt, it's always, you know, given the benefit of the doubt. So they always try to do the right thing. Um, you know, they're not perfect company. They've made plenty of mistakes along the way and stuff, but I think Elon's a pretty stand up, pretty, pretty stand up guy. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, he's optimistic on his timelines. I mean, that's anybody's fault. Anybody can be like that, but he just, he's, he just comes across as a very genuine person. Um, so I don't know. Uh, I hope His comment, uh, Trev, that comment that you just read that he gave us today is consistent with what he said in the past. You know, part of what the SEC is claiming or looking to go after, and maybe we'll get Eric's opinion on this because he's read more about this, I think, than the three of us, um, is how he put this information out there. But what Elon had said previously is that he put the information out there on Twitter and then on the Tesla blog to make it accessible to everyone not just to large financial institutions. Yeah. Uh, so if anything, he actually gave us public information quickly to everyone, which couldn't be more transparent. So, you know, if the funding wasn't secured, obviously I don't know the answer to that. But the means that he went about doing it seems reasonable to me. So hopefully it works out well for us. Well, you know, Elon is not, uh, he, he's not, he's not a newcomer to this whole thing. I mean, he's been on public boards for years and years and years. He knows how investments work. He knows as the SEC works and stuff. And I think in this case, it was a case of like, well, yeah, I want to be as transparent as possible. I'm a Twitter guy. I'm going to go put it on Twitter uh, rather than do a bunch of, uh, you know, backroom deals or backroom whatever uh, in the effort of being transparent. Of course, the SEC may disagree with that and they may see social media as some kind of way of playing with the markets and stuff. You know, that's for them to determine. But we'll have to wait and see what happens. Eric, you want to chime in on this? Sure. So there's two thoughts in mind I have when I first heard about the story uh, late this afternoon as it broke. So the first thing is that we we live in this era where we have 24-7 news coverage. We we see the growth of social media platforms and how many more companies and their executives are using it as a way of communicating directly with their audience, being able to be that um, level of accessible 
uh, to the masses. And, you know, people follow Elon for a variety of reasons. Either they want to see what ill-fated thing he's going to say, or they really want to, they're passionate about what his brands are, they're passionate for what he's trying to do for the global economy, and they just want to see what new innovative thing he's going to say, or what cool, you know, response he's going to have for a question from people like us that are fans of Tesla. So that being said, there is this way of having these archaic rules set up by archaic groups like the SEC that, right or wrong, it's not for us to judge. But I do believe that there should be some evolution in terms of how we're communicating with the public, especially when someone as front-facing as Elon is telling the world, if you have a question, you can ask me directly. You don't have to go to a PR team. You don't have to go to a marketing team. You can come directly and ask me on Twitter. And if you, you know, we see people who will all of a sudden get a response from Elon and they like have like this fangirl reaction, like, oh my God, he tweeted back to me. This is amazing. And, and it's such an insightful way of communicating that, again, most companies sort of shield themselves for, again, a variety of reasons, sometimes very, very astute ones. But I think it's interesting that Elon and Tesla and SpaceX and the boring company and everything else he touches is, listen, we're we're all about trying to make the world better. We're going to be as open and, and honest as we can. Now, there is a downside to that. When you are that open and honest, when you're that forthcoming, you have that much accessibility, it takes the tiniest misstep before something egregious can happen. And granted, some of what he's done on social media has been very hurtful. It's led to lawsuits and uh, and other speculations from, from other entities. And look, we're as human as he. I'm sure we've all said things in meetings. We've said things to family members. We've said things on social media that ideally are not representative of who we are as people. So it is about being judicious and being careful with what we say. We're at least at a time frame where we have to be careful, and he, I think, has to do that too. So to your point, Trevor, he is as honest a gentleman as they, as they come, and he's going to say what's on his mind through hell or high water, for better or for worse. But I understand that there are entities like the SEC saying, look, we're okay with you having the chance to say what you want to say after the market's closed, when it's been vetted through certain people, you know, if it's if it's kind of gone through the channels and then it feels like it's okay to say it, and that's what they're arguing here, fine. But I think levying the heaviest of fines and penalties for something that was more like a, oops, when he's just speaking his mind, he's like, listen, I've had this thought, I and it didn't like come out of no, and it, I mean, look, it came out of nowhere in terms of how the news was covering it. But he did his homework before actually tweeting it. He talked to certain people. He talked to various investment companies. So it, it wasn't like he just kind of woke up that morning, had his breakfast cereal and said, I want to actually screw with the market today. And all of a sudden, everything goes crazy. So again, I take everything with a grain of salt. I, I certainly have my opinions on this. I've actually read the 20 plus page uh, filing from the SEC against Elon and to reiterate the major point here, it's not against any of the companies. It's against a person. This is a suit from the SEC against Elon as an individual. So it is not representative of Tesla, even though he himself represents the company. Well, thank you, Eric. You really explained that in the best way possible. I don't think there's anybody could have explained it any better than that. So your thoughts are always welcome on the podcast. And I hope everybody else agrees out there. That, uh, yeah, you know, we have to let things uh, have their natural courses and stuff, but it's very well explained, I think. Yep, indeed. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. 
Well, uh, we've gone for uh, an hour and 12 minutes, so uh, I think it's time for us to sign off on the podcast. As usual, let's start with Eric. Where can people find you on the internet if they want to reach out and have a little chat with you? Speaking of social media, you guys can find me on Twitter. The handle is ECFIX. That is E-C-F-I-X. My thanks to all the new followers. And I'm going to actually get a a shameless plug here before uh, Ian does. Uh, The two gentlemen are wearing their wonderful Evolve and uh, WAM shirts. I have mine on, too. You can't see it if you listen to the podcast. But if you are on YouTube and you're watching this, I have my shirt, too. Uh, You can go to teespring.com. That's T-E-E spring.com. Search for Mad Hungarian. You can find all of his uh, garb on there. There's coffee mugs, hoodies, t-shirts, zip-ups, whatever you're looking for. Uh, winter is coming in Canada. Get your winter wear and do it with uh, your style. You can choose you can choose your SX or 3, but again, that's that's my shameless plug for Ian, because again, this is really all about Ian today. The hell with the rest of us. <laughs> what the... <laughs> And for those of you who don't know, WA stands for Weapon of Mass Adoption. It actually says it on the back of the shirt. I can't turn around right now, but that's what that means. Thank you, Eric. Michael Bodner, there you go, folks. You You can see it there, Weapon of Mass Adoption. I think it got some pretty good laughs at Tesla today, too. Yeah, we had a lot of fun with it. It was good. Yeah, lots of good stuff. Eric, (laughs) or uh, not Eric, but uh, Michael, where can people find you on the Internet if they wanted to chat with you? You can find me on Twitter, YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, at Tesla now, I did not get the memo to wear my shirt that Ian kindly sent to me. <laughs> uh, instead, I'll show mine. My last chance to wear this since we are getting one more car tomorrow. Nice. Um, <laughs> and then I'll wear Ian's shirt next time, I promise. You're going to retire the shirt then since you have to get the car, right? <laughs> That's it. It'll, it's a car wash shirt after this, I guess. Oh. <laughs> and, uh, of course, I'm Model 3 Owners Club, SoFla Model 3. Um, yeah, that's it. Thank you, guys. And uh, over to the guys in Canada. Great. Thank you very much. Well, that's the end of the show, and we have one more guy. Where can people find you, Ian, to, to chat with you? Uh, on Twitter, um, at Ian Pavelko. That's I-A-N-P-A-V-E-L-K-O. Um, Trev, I'm sure you'll throw that up there. Oh, yeah, always. So, exactly. And, uh, well, of course, I don't have to explain the shirt thing, uh, as Mr. Camacho so eloquently did. Thank you, Eric. And uh, finally, on Model 3 Owners Club, uh, you will find me under the handle Mad Hungarian. If you have any specific questions about uh, wheels or tires, I'm always there monitoring the uh, wheel and tire forums to try and uh, help you with that. And uh, I'd be glad to ask her, uh, any of the questions there. Excellent. And uh, I'm Trevor, and you can find me on Twitter. My handle's at Model 3 Owners, and check out the forum at model3ownersclub.com. And uh, if you like the show and uh, you'd like to give us a thumbs up or a little review, please do so on uh, iTunes or Google Play or any of those wonderful places. You can also listen to the podcast, of course, in your Tesla. Just go into the uh, media player and uh, look up Model 3 Owners Club in the uh, podcast section. And, of course, we publish this on our YouTube um, channel, so you can check it out there, too. And uh, lastly, I want to give a big shout-out to all of our Patreon uh, supporters out there. They are the ones that make the show possible, so big shout-out to you guys. And uh, if you'd like to uh, support the show, you can check it out. You can find that at patreon.com slash model3ownersclub. That's it for this week, everybody. Uh, thanks for watching, and we will uh, catch you on the next one. See you, everybody. Good night. Good night. Good night.